0: Book 2, chapters 9 to 10 of 10 books on architecture. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Fredrik Carlson. 10 books on architecture by Vitruvius, translated by Morris Hickey Morgan. Chapter 9. Timber. 1. Timber should be felled between early autumn and the time when Favonius begins to blow for in spring all trees become pregnant, and they are all employing their natural vigor in the production of leaves and the fruits that return every year. The requirements of that season render them empty and swollen, and so they are weak and feeble because of their looseness of texture. This is also the case with women who have conceived. Their bodies are not considered perfectly healthy until the child is born. Hence, pregnant slaves when offered for sale are not warranted sound because the fetus as it grows within the body takes to itself as nourishment all the best qualities of the mother's food and so the stronger it becomes as the full time for birth approaches the less compact it allows the body to be from which it is produced after the birth of the child what was heretofore taken to promote the growth of another creature is now set free by the delivery of the newborn, and the channels being now empty and open the body take it in by lapping up its juices and thus becomes compact and returns to the natural strength which it had before Two. On the same principle, with the ripening of the fruits in autumn the leaves begin to wither and the trees, taking up their sap from the earth through the roots, recover themselves and are restored to their former solid texture. But the strong air of winter compresses and solidifies them during the time above mentioned. Consequently, if the timber is felled on the principle and at the time above mentioned, it will be felled at the proper season. 3. In felling a tree, we should cut into the trunk of it to the very heart, and then leave it standing, so that the sap may drain out drop by drop throughout the whole of it. In this way, the useless liquid which is within will run out through the sapwood instead of having to die in a mass of decay, thus spoiling the quality of the timber. Then, and not till then, the tree being drained dry and the sap no longer dripping, let it be felled, and it will be in the highest state of usefulness. That this is so may be seen in the case of fruit-trees. When these are tapped at the base and pruned, each at the proper time, they pour out from the heart through the tap-holes all the superfluous and corrupting fluid which they contain, and thus the draining process makes them durable. But when the juices of trees have no means of escape, they clot and rot in them, making the trees hollow and good for nothing. Therefore, if the draining process does not exhaust them while they are still alive, there is no doubt that, if the same principle is followed in felling them for timber, they will last a long time and be very useful in buildings. 5. Trees vary and are unlike one another in their qualities. Thus it is with the oak, elm, poplar, cypress, fir and the others which are most suitable to use in buildings. The oak, for instance, has not the efficacy of the fir, nor the cypress that of the elm, nor in the case of other trees is it natural that they should be alike, but the individual kinds are effective in building, some in one way, some in another, owing to the different properties of their elements six. To begin with fir, it contains a great deal of air and fire with very little moisture and the earthy so that, as its natural properties are of the lighter class, it is not heavy. Hence, its consistence being naturally stiff, it does not easily bend under the load, and keeps its straightness when used in the framework. But it contains so much heat that it generates and encourages decay which spoils it, and it also kindles fire quickly because of the air in its body, which is so open that it takes in fire and so gives out a great flame. 7. The part which is nearest to the earth, before the tree is cut down, takes up moisture through the roots from the immediate neighborhood, and hence is without knots, and is clear. But the upper part, on account of the great heat in it, throws up branches into the air through the knots, and this, when it is cut off about twenty feet from the ground and then hewn, is called knotwood, because of its hardness and knotiness the lowest part after the tree is cut down and the sapwood of the same thrown away is split into four pieces and prepared for joiners work and so is called clear stock eight oak on the other hand having enough and to spare of the earthy among its elements and containing but little moisture air and fire lasts for an unlimited period when buried in underground structures it follows that when exposed to moisture as its texture is not loose and porous it cannot take in liquid on account of its compactness but withdrawing from the moisture it resists it and warps thus making cracks in the structures in which it is used Nine, the winter oak being composed of a moderate amount of all the elements is very useful in buildings but when in moist place it takes in water to its centre through its pores its air and fire being expelled by the influence of the moisture and so it rots The turkey oak and the beech, both containing a mixture of moisture, fire and the earthy, with a great deal of air, through this loose texture take in moisture to the centre and soon decay. White and black poplar, as well as willow, linden and the agnus castus, containing an abundance of fire and air, a moderate amount of moisture and only a small amount of the earthy, are composed of a mixture which is proportionately rather light and so they are of great service from the stiffness. Although on account of the mixture of the earthy in them they are not hard, yet their loose texture makes them gleaming white, and they are a convenient material to use in carving. The alder, which is produced close by river banks, and which seems to be altogether useless as building material, has really excellent qualities. It is composed of a very large proportion of air and fire, not much of the earthy, and only a little moisture. Hence, in swampy places, all their piles driven close together beneath the foundations of buildings take in the water which their own consistence lacks and remain imperishable forever, supporting structures of enormous weight and keeping them from decay. Thus a material which cannot last even a little while above ground endures for a long time when covered with moisture. 11. One can see this at its best in Ravenna for there all the buildings both public and private have piles of this sort beneath their foundations the elm and the ash contain a very great amount of moisture a minimum of fire and air and a moderate mixture of the earthy in their composition when put in shape for use in buildings they are tough and having no stiffness on account of the weight of moisture in them soon bend But when they become dry with age, and are allowed to lose their sap and die standing in the open, they get harder, and from their toughness supply a strong material for dowels to be used in joints and other articulations. 12. The hornbeam, which has a very small amount of fire and of the earthy in its composition, but a very great proportion of air and moisture, is not a wood that breaks easily, and is very convenient to handle hence the greeks call it zygia because they make of it yokes for their draught animals and their word for yoke is zyga cypress and pine are also just as admirable for although they contain an abundance of moisture mixed with an equivalent composed of all the other elements and so are apt to warp when used in buildings on account of this superfluity of moisture yet they can be kept to a great age without rotting because the liquid contained within their substances has a bitter taste which by its pungency prevents the entrance of decay or of those little creatures which are destructive hence buildings made of these kinds of wood last for an unending period of time thirteen the cedar and the juniper tree have the same uses and good qualities but while the cypress and pine yield resin, from the cedar is produced an oil called cedar oil, books as well as other things smeared with this are not hurt by worms or decay. The foliage of this tree is like that of the cypress, but the grain of the wood is straight. The statue of Diana in the temple of Ephesus is made of it, and so are the coffered ceilings, both there and in all other famous feints, because that wood is everlasting. The tree grows chiefly in Crete, Africa, and in some districts of Syria. 14. The larch, known only to the people of the towns on the banks of the river Po, and the shores of the Adriatic, is not only preserved from decay and the worm by the great bitterness of its sap, but also it cannot be kindled with fire nor ignite of itself, unless, like stones in a lime-kiln, it is burned with other wood and even then it does not take fire nor produce burning coals but after a long time it slowly consumes away this is because there is a very small proportion of the elements of fire and air in its composition which is a dense and solid mass of moisture and the earthy so that it has no open pores through which fire can find its way but it repels the force of fire and does not let itself be harmed by it quickly further its weight will not let it float in water so that when transported it is loaded on shipboard or on rafts made of fur fifteen it is worth to know how this wood was discovered the divine caesar being with his army in the neighbourhood of the alps and having ordered the towns to furnish supplies the inhabitants of a fortified stronghold there called the larignum trusting in the natural strength of their defenses, refused to obey his command. So the general ordered his forces to the assault. In front of the gate of this stronghold there was a tower, made of beams of this wood laid in alternating directions at right angles to each other, like a funeral pyre, and built high so that they could drive off an attacking party by throwing stakes and stones from the top. When it was observed that they had no other missiles and stakes, and that these could not be hurled very far from the wall on account of the weight. Orders were given to approach and throw bundles of brushwood and lighted torches at this outwork. These the soldiers soon got together. 16. The flames soon kindled the brushwood which lay about the wooden structure, and rising towards heaven made everybody think that the whole pile had fallen. But when the fire had burned itself out and subsided and the tower appeared to view entirely uninjured, Caesar in amazement gave orders that they should be surrounded with a palisade built beyond the range of missiles. So the townspeople were frightened into surrendering and were then asked where that wood came from which was not harmed by fire. They pointed to trees of the kind under discussion of which there were a very great number in that vicinity and so as that stronghold was called larignum the wood was called larch it is transported by way of the po to ravenna and is to be had in fano Pesaro, ancona and the other towns in that neighbourhood if there were only a ready method of carrying this material to rome it would be of the greatest use in buildings. If not for general purposes, yet at least if the boards used in the eaves running round blocks of houses were made of it, the buildings would be free from the danger of fire spreading across to them, because such boards can neither take fire from flames or from burning coals, nor ignite spontaneously. 17. The leaves of these trees are like those of the pine. Timber from them comes in long lengths, is as easily wrought in joiner's work as is the clear wood of fir, and contains a liquid resin of the colour of attic honey, which is good for consumptives. With regard to the different kinds of timber, I have now explained of what natural properties they appear to be composed and how they were produced. It remains to consider the question why the highland fir, as it is called in Rome, is inferior while the lowland fir is extremely useful in building, so far as durability is concerned, and further to explain how it is that their bad or good qualities seem to be due to the peculiarities of their neighborhood, so that this subject may be clearer to those who examine it. CHAPTER X. HIGHLAND AND LOWLAND FIR 1. The first spurs of the Apennines arise from the Tuscan Sea between the Alps and the most distant borders of Tuscany. The mountain range itself bends round and, almost touching the shores of the Adriatic in the middle of the curve, completes its circuit by extending to the strait on the other shore. Hence, this side of the curve, sloping towards the districts of Tuscany and Campania, lies basking in the sun, being constantly exposed to the full force of its rays all day. But the further side sloping towards the upper sea and having a northern exposure is constantly shrouded in shadowy darkness hence the trees which grows on that side being nourished by the moisture not only themselves attain to a very large size but their fibre too filled full of moisture is swollen and distended with abundance of liquid when they lose their vitality after being felled and hewn the fibre retains its stiffness and the trees as they dry become hollow and frail on account of their porosity and hence cannot last when used in buildings Two, but trees which grow in places facing the courses of the sun are not of porous fibre but are solid being drained by the dryness for the sun absorbs moisture and draws it out of trees as well as out of the earth The trees in sunny neighborhoods therefore being solidified by the compact texture of their fiber and not being porous from moisture are very useful, so far as durability goes, when they are hewn into timber. Hence the lowland firs being conveyed from sunny places are better than those of highland firs which are brought here from shady places. 3 to the best of my mature consideration i have now treated the materials which are necessary in the construction of buildings the proportionate amount of the elements which are seen to be contained in the natural composition and the points of excellence and defects of each kind so that they may be not unknown to those who are engaged in building Thus, those who can follow the directions contained in this treatise will be better informed in advance and able to select among the different kinds those which will be of use in their works. Therefore, since the preliminaries have been explained, the buildings themselves will be treated in the remaining books. And first, as due order requires, I shall in the next book write of the temples of the immortal gods and their symmetrical proportions. end of book two